Good morning. My name's Ken Forsythe. I'm an elder here at Solid Rock. And uh, as uh, we go into today's message, I just want to remind us of one announcement, and that's that this Wednesday is Worship Wednesday. It's May 17th at 6.30. And we just want to encourage you to be there. It's a time where we open the Word of God. And just as the Scripture teaches us how to live our everyday lives, live out our faith in our everyday lives. So we hope that you'll be there. It's at 6.30. It coincides with children and youth also. And we always have a little time afterwards just to fellowship amongst ourselves as the body of Christ here at Solid Rock and also to uh, get to know some of the body that we don't know. So we want to invite you to, uh, to come this Wednesday, May 17th. And so Jason is not up here today. One of the reasons he's not up here is he asked me to preach today. And, I, and as, when he asked me to do that, I thought about uh, uh, 20 years ago when Jason first came on here at uh, Solid Rock and he was our youth uh, minister. I guess it was 2003. Uh, I was kind of looking for Jason just to see if he'd nod his head, make sure I get dates right, which don't really mean a whole lot right now. But uh, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> But uh, we were going up to Chicago. He, I think he'd been here only a week. We was going up to Chicago. And uh, I asked him, I said, Robbie Waller and I, to a community group conference. And, and I saw Jason in the hall. And I said, hey, we got some extra money. Why don't you go with us? And he did not hesitate at all. He says, yeah, I'll go. And uh, that kind of took me back. I'm a guy that has to really think about things. Well, let me go check on this and check on that. But Jason said, yes. So we went up there to Chicago, and I will have to admit that Robbie and Jason picked on me the whole time we were there because we were in the hotel, and uh, I was checking us in, and they kept calling at me saying, Hey, Dad, can we have some money? Uh, <laughs> Dad, can you get us checked in? Uh, I will have to admit I'm probably 30 years older than Jason, and I'm not sure, real sure about Robbie, so we won't want to divulge that. But uh, I got back at him because we had two rooms, and I got the one that was single, so it was really, <laughs> since I was their dad. But the point is that Jason uh, uh, told Robbie and I that uh, when he got back to Fort Worth that he was going to ask Hallie to marry him. And their anniversary is tomorrow. So that's been about 20 years ago, so. <clears throat> Congratulations, Jason <clears throat> and Hallie. So it did come to attrition, did it not? So... <laughs> It's, uh, well, going back even a little bit further, that was 20 years ago, but on May the 9th, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson, I do not remember that, uh, <laughs> proclaimed that the second Sunday uh, of May each year would be set aside for Mother's Day, and we would honor the mothers throughout America. And there was another part of that proclamation that he suggested that all government buildings and homes display the American flag. And I'm disappointed to say, if you're a mother, I did not see one American flag out today. And we may not know that. That was kind of new to me. And I thought, well, that's, that's really interesting. But that was in 1914, long before the United States even existed. Our God wrote in his word that we are to honor our father and our mother. So God has you mothers long, long before the United States did. So I just want to say happy Mother's Day to you if you're a mother here today. So, But I hesitated, I'll have to admit, 
uh, to say Happy Mother's Day. And I don't think I've said it to any mother that I've met in the hall or the, uh, the commons area today because I know that with Mother's Day, of course, there's joy and there's rejoicing, but there's also pain that comes with Mother's Day. There is shame and there is hurt and there is sorrow. And uh, let, me, let me just give you some examples. The pain of losing a mother. I know I lost my mom in, in 2012. The pain of a mother who just did not show up in your life. The sorrow of wanting to be a mom and not being able to have children. The hurt of the loss of a child through miscarriage or of a child that you lost later in life. I'm here to tell you God knows their name. He knows their name. But with that comes pain. The shame that comes with an abortion or giving up a child. The guilt of not being the mother that the world says you should be. But it can also bring joy, remembering the good of a mother who has passed. Joy in the relationship reconciled with a mother that did not show up. Remembering a son or a daughter and the joy that brought they brought to you and others. Or the healing of forgiveness that only Jesus can bring. Or this day can just be a day of rejoicing with your family of all the good things that God has given us. So my prayer today is this, that no matter what you brought in here today, pain, sorrow, shame, whatever, joy, rejoicing, that God's word today would bring you comfort and encouragement and rejoicing. And that's what we're going to look at today. And I thought it fitting that today that we hear from uh, the most famous mother of all, Mary, without a doubt. And uh, she, uh, uh, Daniel read in Luke, just a little bit about Luke, who is actually writing this and what Mary had, had written in her song, her song of thanksgiving, her song of praise to all that God had done done for her. Luke is mentioned three times in the New Testament by name. He's probably mentioned a couple of more times. Our men's study yesterday was actually reading uh, a part in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I, th I thought it was Paul was talking about Luke. It did not mention him, so I would probably not write that down <laughs> as a testimony. But uh, Luke had this purpose. It was to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ and to proclaim him, and to proclaim this prophecy of him coming as the Son of God, as our salvation. And that's what Luke's main thought is. Now, if we talk about Mary for just a minute, what we know about Mary in the Scripture is that she is the mother of Jesus, that she's from a small town called Nazareth in the region of Galilee, and uh, Nazareth was a very small town, probably two or three hundred people, as best we know, and most of the people there were uh, peasant farmers. That's a little bit of what we know of Mary from the Scriptures. She was enthralled or engaged to uh, Joseph, a man, according to the Scriptures, who was a just man. She had a sister who was with her at the crucifixion, and she had other sons and daughters. We know that from the Scripture, uh, besides the Son of God. We do not know her age, but historians have put her as very, very young, maybe a teenager. 
when uh, the angel Gabriel appeared to her and told her that she was going to have a child, the Son of God. And she has prophesied in Isaiah 7:14, where Isaiah writes this, A virgin shall conceive and have a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. God is with us. But even though that particular prophecy is not about Mary, it's about the Son of God. And that's what I want us to see today and be clear about, that what Luke is writing, even though it's a narrative and it has Mary and Elizabeth in it, it's about Jesus and Jesus alone. And I think we'll find salvation in him without a doubt. Now the evidence of the Song of Mary shows that she was versed in the Scripture. You can tell by just what the things she writes. That she knew the promises of God. She knew that God was holy, merciful, and kind. And that God looks on the humble. That God is mighty. God brings down those who exalt themselves and ignore God. She knew these things because that's what she writes about. If you remember in 2 Peter 1.3 last week when Jason introduced 2 Peter to us, uh, we can certainly learn a lot from Mary. And we know that knowing God and knowing the Scripture are inseparable. And this is what Peter wrote. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now this knowledge is more than knowing a lot about God. I knew a man years ago and knew a lot about God, but he didn't know God. And that's the Greek word that uh, Peter is writing. It implies a full knowledge of God that can only come through a personal relationship with him. So it's just not knowing about God, it's knowing him personally. And certainly Mary did that. So let's move on to Luke 1, 26 through 38. And I debated with this, whether to read the Scripture, just give a summary. I think reading the Scripture gives us more uh, knowledge of what the Scripture is saying. It says in 1, 26, 38, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin ple- pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What a powerful statement. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked? Since I am a virgin, the the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has, was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary answers, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That's very powerful 
verses, let me tell you, an angel appearing, and it's certainly Gabriel, he tells that. It gives us news to Mary. But I want to go back to, to verses 130 and just look at it for just a moment. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And this could be read, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. If you're in Christ, are you not the same? Have you not found God's grace? Yes, God gives it so freely. To those He calls, He gives this grace, this favor. This word grace is the word charis, and I'm not real sure I'm pronouncing that right in the Greek. And it means grace, it means unmerited favor. So if we're in Christ, we have received unmerited favor. That's what Mary had received, this unmerited favor. God is the giver of grace. And we have to make sure that we understand this. Mary is not the giver of grace. God is the giver of grace. She needed a Savior just as we need a Savior. So if you're here today and you have not received that unmerited favor, that grace of God, I just pray that you will not leave this place today without speaking to someone. At the end of our service, we'll have prayer partners on both sides of the auditorium. There'll be elders in the commons area that have a, a lantern on. And there'll be pastors out in the commons area also that love to talk to you about this beautiful, wonderful grace that God gives. So I'm asking you again, please do not leave this place without considering Christ, as Paul would say. As we move on to verses 39 through 45 out of Luke chapter 1, let's read those. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, the mother of my Lord, should come to me? Why should she be there? Why should she be standing in front of the mother of the Lord? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in your womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now Mary had been told by Gabriel that Elizabeth was pregnant. If you remember one of the first uh, scriptures that we, that we read. But Elizabeth had not been told, but she knew once she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is so powerful, and Elizabeth is just overwhelmed with shouting out to Mary these great blessings that, have, that God has given her. These are actually specific and general blessings. The specific blessing that Mary, that uh, Elizabeth is shouting to, to Mary is the fact that she has born she is pregnant, she is with child, the Son of God. Now there's not a person in this room, ladies, who can identify with that. You can identify with having a child, but not the child of the King, not the Son of God. So that's a specific, specific blessing. And she also, Elizabeth, shouts out that blessed is 
he who is in her womb. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. That's Jesus, the Son of God. So this is specific to Mary. And we read much about that in the Bible. The other blessing was, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. These promises that God had given, she is blessed because she has believed this. Luke is actually proclaiming the faith of Mary in believing God, these promises. That's a general, ladies and gentlemen, that's specific to all of us. All of us can receive these promises of God. Ladies, you can relate to that promise. There's no doubt about that. Luke is proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ and his promises. You know, as we sit here today, no no matter what we brought in today, we can hold on to those promises because God throughout his word is over and over and over showing himself to us and his promises. So God's promises to you, and I'm speaking to the ladies and the moms, but don't check out, gentlemen, young people. God's promises are to you, and they're not contingent on whether you're the best mom in America. Think about that. God's promises, God's love is not contingent upon how good a mother that you are. His promises are not contingent on whether you work at home or whether you work outside the home or if you're the best employee. It's not contingent upon that. Or whether you're the best wife. Think about that. God's promises are for you. And as we sit here today, whatever we brought in, we can hold on to those. Those are firm. God's promises are to you in the best times, the worst times. It's suffering, in pain, in joy, and in rejoicing. His promises are always there. God's promises are in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where they come from. So we hold on to Jesus and all that he has given us. Now let's go back to this word blessing, which means God favored. In the Beatitudes, the word blessing means happy. You could insert that word happy and it would, Mary was happy. When we get to her song in uh, 46 through 55, we're going to see a lot of happiness because she's blessed. I would ask this question this morning, is your happiness, where does it come from? Does it come from the things of the world? Or do your blessings come from the things of the world? Just think about that for a minute. Where do your blessings, your happiness come from? Is it from money? Possessions? Is it from power and prestige? Is it from trying to be the best mom the world says you should be? Or is it from the Lord Jesus Christ? And I pray that it's from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Christian, our treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to repeat that. Christian, our treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
if you're not a Christian, your treasure can be the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on to Luke 1, 46 through 49. Praise for all that God has done. So this is the start of Mary's song. She's just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And in 46 through 49, what uh, Daniel had read, 46 through 55, but we're going to break it apart just a little bit. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Oh my gosh, as I was reading this, actually, uh, I, can't, I thought about preaching this months ago. I didn't know I was going to preach today, but anyway. Our prayer team, which studies once a month, sometimes we'll study uh, scripture and so forth. And we were studying the Magnificat which is Mary's song of thanksgiving, Mary's song of praise. And it just never left my mind. And every time I read it, I thought, wow, this is so amazing. And it would just well up inside me, and I just wanted to do the same thing that Mary was doing and just magnify the Lord. And so she shouts this out, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's praising God for all he has done for her. This soul and this spirit that Mary's talking about, my soul magnifies the Lord, my, my spirit rejoicing. That's in her heart. And it's just welling up inside. And sometimes I, I, I think about what's welling up inside my heart, and it's not good. But I want to be like Mary, as Luke writes this song, and just magnify God in everything and rejoice in God in everything. That's why today, no matter where we're at, no matter what we brought in, we can magnify the Lord. We can rejoice in Him because He is faithful. God is faithful. So in Matthew 12, 34, the second part, Jesus says this about what comes out of us, what comes out of our heart. He's been talking to the Pharisees. In fact, He has told them that uh, we, nothing good can come out of someone who is evil. And he calls them vipers. Ever since I read that years and years ago, I was always wanting that opportunity to call someone a viper, but it never has happened yet. So <laughs> it probably should not, because I'm definitely not Jesus. But, but I just love that, that verse. But this is what Jesus says to him. He says, for, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's what I was having in the mirror. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and it was praise and worship. Years ago, this was 1981, a gentleman came to my house. He gave me a pamphlet and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. His name was Joe Jernigan. Joe was with the Lord right now, and uh, just, just a wonderful man. Uh, he was not a perfect man. I found that out later when I started running around with him, and uh, that was a, a good teaching for me as a new Christian. But Joe loved the Lord. And we would go out to breakfast sometimes or go out and have a cup of coffee. He could not contain what he would say to people. And it was always about the Lord. I remember up on Cherry Lane one time, we were at IHOP restaurant. And the waitress comes up to us. And after she takes our order, Joe says very cordially, do you mind if I share something with you and ask you a personal question? 
And he asked her, and she said yes. And he asked her about her relationship with the Lord Jesus. And she said she wasn't a Christian. And she shared the gospel with her in about a minute's time. It was very short, very precise. And after we ate and she brought us her ticket, she, uh, Joe asked the young lady if we could pray with her. And I remember Joe praying with her. She thanked us for that. But Joe could not contain this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had to share it with others. Mary had to share this with others. It just spontaneous praise and worship. I remember another time with Joe, we were at 7-Eleven. The 7-Eleven's no longer there. Some of you might remember it. It was on the corner of uh, I-30 and Las Vegas Trail. And we would go in there and get coffee. That particular 7-Eleven was famous for coffee. And we're going through the line. And I mean, there's a long line. I remember seven or eight people in line that day. And this was 40 years ago. So my memory hasn't left yet. But Joe, I remember I was behind him and he's sharing the gospel with the gentleman who was behind the counter. And of course, I'm sitting there, I'm a new Christian. I'm a little embarrassed, I have to admit. But he's sharing the gospel. Next thing I know that I see Joe and this gentleman behind the counter bowing their heads and praying. And everybody was behind them. And I'm sure they were getting a little upset. But he could not contain it. Mary could not contain it. We should not contain the things of God, those promises, and all how good he has been to us. So let me ask this question. What's deep down in your soul and in your spirit and in your heart? What's coming out of your mouth? Is it praise and worship? There's an old saying, actually, I, I used to write... Uh, quotes because I like quotes I don't really when I when I could I cannot probably do a quote unless it's from scripture and tell you who it was that said it but I did like quotes so I got into this when I was younger writing quotes and I was a new Christian I wrote that if you uh, if you're not consumed with Christ then the world will consume you I think that's what Luke's saying here he's saying we have to be filled up with the spirit of God and consume ourselves with Christ and look what comes out. Praise and worship and rejoicing. So Luke is letting us know that Mary was of a humble state. He says that in the 46 through uh, 48 and 49 and he says that. And uh, she was not a queen, she was not a princess, she was not of high estate in the town of Nazareth. She was of a humble estate. And she had humility. The scripture tells us that. Let me tell you today, it does not matter who you are, where you came from, or what position in life you're in. We share the same privileges before God in Christ. If you remember last week when Jason was doing the introduction of Second Peter, I actually had two quotes from that last week. So uh, Peter writes this. He's telling us who he's writing to. He says, who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Christian, you hold a very high place in the kingdom of God. So please do not sit here today and think, oh, well, I'm of lowly state and I, I just, I don't have enough money to become a Christian. And all those, those lies that the enemy gives us. God has given us everything in Christ. 
that Peter wrote for life and for godliness. What a beautiful, beautiful quote that he writes. But Mary continues in verse 49 and she gives these attributes of God. And there are so many. But she has the attribute of mighty and that he is holy. Mighty in that he fights for his people, that he is their deliverer. In Joshua, in, uh, he says this in Deuteronomy, in chapter 3, verse 22, this is what God says to Joshua. Joshua is fixing to take the nation of Israel into the promised land. And they're having all these battles. And he writes this. God says this to Joshua. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord God who fights for you. Think about that. Our God is always fighting for us. I remember years ago, I'm a big baseball guy. And I remembered years ago when I was 10 or 11 years old, I was pitching in a game and the umpire was not giving me any leeway. I mean, I th what I thought, of course, <laughs> I would throw a strike, he'd call it a ball. I'd throw a ball, he'd call it a ball. So, <laughs> and my uh, coach was getting the same thing I was getting. And in between innings, he was talking to the umpire. And I thought, wow, this is, this is good, my coach is... It's taken up for me. He's fighting for me. But after the game, and I think it was a game that we won, uh, I saw my dad approach the umpire. And I could tell what they were saying. And he wasn't being harsh to the man. He knew the guy. I do remember that. But he was telling him that he thought he was giving his son a raw deal. And let me tell you, all the frustration I had went away. Because my dad was fighting for me. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a Father in heaven who is fighting for us all the time. And we can be assured of, of that. He is fighting for us to deliver us. And Mary says that this one fighting for us has a name, and his name is Holy. Think about that for just a minute. His name is holy. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 57, 15. This holy is set apart, is sovereign, is sacred. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Does your heart need reviving today? I know there's days where I just say, God, please help me. And I like the word revive. I want you to hear what Matthew Henry, who was a theologian years and years ago, and he wrote commentaries, what he says about this particular verse. And he's writing about Christians, but listen to what he says about that verse about reviving. He, God, will give them reviving joys and hopes sufficient to counterbalance all the grief and all the fears that break our spirits. He dwells with them and his presence is reviving. This God we serve is holy. He is set apart. He's sovereign. He is sacred. 
and holy is his name. And he revives his people. How? Through his presence. If you're in Christ, God resides in you. He is with you always. So let's finish up in 50 through 55. 50 through 53 says, And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. See, Mary's using that humility, that humble state again. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Mercy to those who fear him. And Jason's done such a good job of explaining what this fear is, fear of the Lord. And I know it's come up in the scripture two or three times because I, I do remember it. And it's a, it's a fear of the Lord. It's to regard with great respect. It's a humble submission and request and respect. Those who fear God, who come to Christ, receive mercy generation after generation. Think about that as we share the gospel with our family, with our kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. From generation to generation, God is freely giving this mercy. And that's an encouragement to me to continually share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, excuse me. In verses 52 and 53, Mary tells us that God brings down those who are not humble. Not the humble, those who are not humble. I just, I just wanted to switch that. And fills those who are hungry. Of course, that's also feeding people. Remember, Jesus fed the 5,000. But listen to what he says. In John 6, 35, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Shall not hunger. Mary says, he fills the hungry. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If you're in Christ, remember those words. If you're not in Christ, remember those words and please consider him, as Paul said. In Luke 54 and 55, let me read those and we'll, we'll close here. Mary writes, he has, Luke writes what Mary has said. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. He's helped his servant Israel. He remembered the mercy that he has for them. God has helped his servant Israel. And I'm going to end with this question, and then I'll have some questions for you. How can God help you today? How can God help you today? So I have some questions for you, and I hope that you will reflect on them maybe today or to, uh, with your family uh, during the week. Maybe you want to put them to pen, to pencil, and write them down. You know, Mary wrote this song of praise and thanksgiving. One of the things that, uh, one of the best times of my life is when I have written psalms to God. I would encourage you to do that. Maybe thanksgiving, maybe praise, maybe pain. You know, if you look at the psalms, they're completely full of different psalms and attributes and emotions. The first question is, have you received grace and unmerited favor in your life? 
Number two is how have the promises of God changed your life? Put it to pen and pencil. Where do you find your happiness? Number three, how do you find your happiness, your blessing? Or where do you find it? Is it in Christ? Or is it in the things of the world? Number four is what consumes your praise? The things of the world or the things of God? And then the last one, a repeat of what we ended with. How can God help you today? Let's pray together. So, Father, we're just so thankful for your word. It's so powerful. Thank you for Luke writing about Mary and this wonderful song that she sang that she just could not contain in her heart, Father. I just pray that we would be the same, that we would just remember your promises that you have fulfilled many of by sending your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being that fulfillment that you died on a cross for us and gave your life. You took our penalty. You took our sin. And now we can have life and we can truly have it abundantly. And you gave us this great hope, dear God, this great hope of the resurrection that one day, that promise that we're going to spend eternity with you in heaven. Father, I just ask again that you would just speak to the hearts of those here who are not in joy today, who are not rejoicing, who may be in sorrow. Speak to the heart of this great, great love that you have for them. And we just say thank you, Jesus. We can't say thank you enough, but we say thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.